Good morning, everyone. My name is Kevin Lagore. I'm the product specialist for Skywatcher here in North America. And uh, welcome to our What's Up webcast. We do this every Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific, right here at the Skywatcher USA YouTube channel. Um, every week is a different episode. Uh, first uh, part of the week, we, I'm sorry, every week is a new episode. And um, the first Friday of the month, we do What's Up in the Nighttime Sky. Then we do some equipment talks and some fun stuff during the middle of the uh, month. And then the last episode of the month is our special guest, uh, where we have someone on to talk about their expertise and special uh, specialty in the field of astronomy. Um, so if you've never joined us for the What's Up webcast before, uh, we do this every Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific. Uh, these are generally live. And they are recorded as well, so if you miss it or there's some information that you want to go back and take a look at, you can always go back and watch these episodes over again um, if you feel the need to do so. Uh, excuse me. Now, if you like what you see here and you want to keep up with all the new content that we've got, we've just updated our schedule. So if you go to the upcoming um, uh, live videos that... Uh, is on our schedule here on the YouTube channel. You can see all the upcoming episodes all the way out to September, I think. We've updated quite a few of them. So you can see what's on the docket uh, for the next several weeks. And if there's ever a topic that you want us to take a look at, or you've got some questions, or anything to do with the What's Up webcast, you can email us at info. We've updated the email address. So info at skywatcherusa.com. And then you can hit subscribe. Uh, to the channel it helps us out it actually helps keep this uh, webcast going so uh, to all of you who've been part of that and everyone who's subscribed and supporting us uh, we really appreciate um, you spending the time every more every Friday with us and we hope you enjoy all these topics um, that we put into out for you guys to check out now this week we're talking about a topic that comes up quite a bit and that's modified uh, DSLRs and mirrorless cameras um, because now mirrorless is making a big push into the world now um, and you can modify those cameras as well for astrophotography. Now I would like to mention uh, before you do anything that modifying your camera has a very good chance of actually voiding the warranty from the camera manufacturer. So it's just something to keep in mind um, if this is of interest to you. Now, for those of you who might not know, uh, you might be asking, what is a modified camera? Um, some of us are probably well aware of what it is, but you know, there's people out there that don't. So a modified camera refers to moving the internal filter from the camera body. Now, um, let's see, what do I got here? When you have your camera or a DSLR or a mirrorless camera, I'm going to make myself a little bit bigger here for this part. So let's see if I can, my computer's going to let me do that. Here we go. So you've got your camera. This is my Canon EOS R. Um, and you open it up. There is your camera sensor. Now there's normally a shutter that protects this. So when I turn it off, uh, there it goes, there's the shutter, um, it protects the sensor, but underneath that shutter is the sensor. Now, in front of the sensor, there's a piece of glass in there that is the filter, and that piece of glass is coated with various coatings, 
um, to help kind of balance, let me get my lens back on here, um, to help balance out the image so you're not getting uh, stray light and all kinds of other things just to make the colors look more natural. So that filter is in every camera that you buy off the shelf. Canon, Nikon, Sony, Olympus, Fuji, Pentax, whatever. Um, it's generally called an IR cut filter. It does cut out a lot of the infrared light as well as some UV and it kind of dampens some of the light that's being moved onto the sensor, giving you kind of a natural looking uh, colorized image when you take your picture of any general thing during the day. Um, but that doesn't always turn out to be beneficial for astrophotography. So what we're talking about is a modified camera is a camera that either has that filter removed or there's something put in place that is not the uh, stock um, amount of, the not, not the stock filter that's in there. So we're removing that to improve our capabilities for astrophotography. Now, because you generally have to crack the camera body open to pull that filter out, it does tend to void the warranties. So it's something to definitely think about before doing this. Um, now, there, there's some other companies that do the modifications that you might get some kind of warranty through the third party that does that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, so... That's basically what we're talking about. We're taking a standard camera, Canon, Nikon, Sony, Olympus, whatever, and we're removing the IR cut filter that sits in front of the sensor. And it's funny because um, there's a lot of places out there when you say, oh, I need to clean my camera sensor. You actually never, ever touch the sensor that's inside of a camera. Um, there's always generally some kind of piece of glass or a filter that piece of glass is either like a window, just a clear window, um, but that generally keeps the sensor sealed from the rest of the world. So in the camera, like the photography world, you'll see, oh, I need to clean my sensor. You actually never ever touch the physical sensor. You're just cleaning the, the window that sits in front of the sensor. So um, just something to mention while we're at, but while we're at it, but we are just talking about that window that sits in front of the sensor. And those are generally coated with a UV IR coating. It does vary from camera manufacturer and even model to model. It just depends on what that camera manufacturer's secret coating um, is, but they're all relatively the same. We're gonna talk about that um, next. So, like I said, inside your camera, there's a standard IR cut filter. Um, that allows you to have a pretty nice, even white balance, as they call it. Um, gives you a natural looking image when you take a picture of your friends, your family, or whatever you're doing. Um, like I said, this is just a general use filter, um, but it can work okay for astrophotography, but the problem is a lot of times, these filters that are stock inside of a, I'm sorry, the stock filter that's inside of your camera is reducing a lot of light when we're talking about shooting faint objects. So if you compare an image from say a DSLR or mirrorless camera to a dedicated astronomy camera, 
you might notice if you took the same image at the same length on the same telescope that you get far more signal onto your camera sensor than the DSLR or mirrorless camera would. And that's because most dedicated astronomy cameras like Starlight Express, SBIG, ZWO, QHY, all that, they generally have a window in front of their sensors, but they also, those windows are more tuned to allow a broad wavelength or broad wavelengths of light to pass through the sensor to get the best transmission onto the sensor and get you a really good image. So um, with a DSLR or a mirrorless camera, they are not designed for astrophotography off the shelf for the most part. And because of that, they are not ready to get the maximum amount of light that they could obtain when taking those pictures and that's all to do with the filter the sensor will do whatever the sensor is going to capture any light you put onto it it's really just the filter that is reducing uh, some of the frequencies that we want to get and of course one of those frequencies is hydrogen alpha which is really deep in the red part of the spectrum a lot of nebulas emit light in this part of the spectrum you know you have the horse head the orion nebula we have the North American nebula up right now. All those emission nebulas emit light in the H-alpha frequency. So the problem is a lot of these cameras, these off-the-shelf cameras, their filters, they don't need to pass a lot of light for day-to-day -day use in those frequencies. But for astrophotography, it really dampens the amount of light that gets to the sensor in those frequencies. So you have to spend more time exposing to make up for the inefficiency of that filter that's installed. Now, if you ever look at filters, and if you ever want to go into detail on filters and stuff like that, we have several episodes that have been previously done on this channel that talk about visual and imaging filters. Now, when you're looking at filters, generally, most companies are going to provide a graph that looks a lot like this. So on the x-axis, you have the wavelength that the filter covers. Usually that's in nanometers, or NM is how that would um, be listed. Um, the human eye sees right about 380, just before 400 nanometers, all the way to 700. That's the visible spectrum. Um, anything in front of that 390, 380 ballpark is uh, ultraviolet. And everything past 700 or so is infrared. So that's generally invisible from uh, the human eye. But the cameras are able to see that um, usually quite well. But these filters that are used generally filter out a lot of that to give us that natural image. So when you're looking at a filter graph, or if you're looking to buy an astrophotography filter, generally there is going to be this kind of a graph. And these graphs are important. Uh, so like I said, the bottom is the wavelengths that the filter is generally going to be more interested in looking at. And then the y-axis over here is transmission percentage, or how much light is passing through the filter, zero being none and 100 being everything. So that's how you read the graph. Now a standard, <coughs> excuse me, um, a standard filter, uh, IR cut filter is going to look a little bit like this. Now they vary. Um, I just drew this graph, but um, 
looking and comparing at some of the graphs I was able to find, this is roughly what a standard IR cut filter for a mirrorless or DSLR camera looks like. Um, it peaks right here in the center, right around 500 or so. That's where the a lot of green is generally. Um, it kind of reduces over here in the ultraviolet, and then it definitely cuts down here um, in the uh, infrared. Now, there's a lot of interesting things as we approach the 600 nanometer mark uh, on the spectrum. More around 650 is where a lot of, of the interesting stuff that we generally want to capture is. But you can see with this filter, it really knocks a ton of light down. Like as we're approaching, you know, some of these interesting frequencies, we're already starting to reduce quite a bit. And the problem with that is we're already shooting really faint targets as it is. So we need as much transmission to our camera sensor as possible. And if you're using a stock uh, DSLR or mirrorless camera that has that internal filter in there, you can take some nice images, but you're going to work a lot harder to get that. You have to take a lot more exposures or longer exposures to make up for the inefficiency that this filter inside the camera is uh, how much light it's reducing to get to the sensor. Um, that's why you see a lot of people shooting with these, you know, CMOS cameras now because you don't, well, the prices also come a lot down quite a bit for dedicated cameras and we'll talk about that later um, but they don't have this issue where they're cutting out all this light you can see you know right when we get to 600 or we start approaching the red part of the spectrum a lot of times the lights already being reduced by 50 percent just by that filter so you have to take twice the amount of exposures to get what you could be getting um, without this filter in place so it's a great filter to have for day-to-day -day use, but for astronomy, it really hinders the capability of the camera's uh, capabilities. Again, the sensor is totally fine. The camera itself is fine. We're, this is really just a filter talk, is all this is. And again, when we're doing astrophotography, um, like I said earlier, one of those premier wavelengths that we want to get is the H-alpha wavelength, which is about 656.5 three nanometers, I believe, um, which is right over here in the red. And looking at a lot of these different filter graphs from various, you know, Nikon, Canon, and Sony cameras that I've been able to find, um, they're really quite low. And like I said, this is just a drawing, so it's not as accurate as the actual graphs, but I, I wasn't able to take the graphs because they're not mine. Um, but you're well below 50% light transmission um, for the hydrogen alpha frequency on a standard DSLR. So if you're trying to shoot a picture of like the Horsehead Nebula in the wintertime, or maybe right now you want to go out and shoot the North American Nebula, um, you're going to sit there for a while. Yeah, you can get a great picture, but because that filter is in place, it's dramatically reducing what you could be getting with that camera. So you're going to have to sit there longer and longer to make up for the fact that this filter is basically knocking out all those frequencies that you want. So something to think about. Um, not that if you're just getting started with astrophotography and you just bought like a Rebel or a cheap, cheaper mirrorless or DSLR camera, it's, it's a lot better than having nothing. 
Um, these cameras are generally fairly affordable. Um, you get a pretty good size sensor, like an APS-C or even a full frame sensor. You can get a full frame, like a Canon RP, which is their intro mirrorless full frame camera, I think is just over a thousand dollars. Um, and that's a full frame sensor. A full frame dedicated astronomical camera is going to be about $4,000 starting. So if you just want a big old sensor to do astrophotography with, you know, getting one of these cameras is not the end of the world. But this is why you see a lot of people end up either A, buying a modified version or eventually sending that camera off to be modified to get not only that big sensor, which gives you a wide field of view, but it's also going to give you the capabilities to really get a lot more signal out of it. So you're not having to expose so long. You don't need as many nights to capture that image. Um, and you can get some really impressive stuff done. Now, there's a couple ways to go about the modified camera world. Um, and I've kind of broken that into two sections. So the first one I would call off the shelf because over the last few years, there's some companies that have recognized astronomy as being a potential market um, to sell to. It is a specialized market, but it's gone gotten to the point now where, and it's kind of nice to hear that major companies are taking a look at our, our little hobby because astronomy compared to just photography is really tiny in comparison to the grand scheme of uh, general photography. So it's cool that you have uh, companies that have taken the time to put time and money into researching and developing products that are dedicated to our line of interest. Now, the first one to do that was Canon, and that was with the 20DA. I don't remember when the 20DA came out, but it's been a while. Um, this was the first camera that they released first off-the-shelf camera that had a modified filter for astrophotography purposes. Um, several years later, um, they came out with the 60DA. I think the 60DA was right around 2011 or 2012, if I can remember. Um, and that is when the uh, 60DA came out. And generally, Canon marks their cameras. Um, so you should be able to see that. They generally have a little A in the back there um, to mark it as an astro uh, astronomy camera. Um, so they came out with the 60DA probably around 2011, 2012, I think is when that um, came out. And just recently, I think in like 2019, um, they finally came out with the RA, which is the full frame mirrorless camera that they have. Um, it was the first off-the-shelf modified um, mirrorless camera for astrophotography. Um, and that was Canon's first full-frame dedicated astrophotography camera. Um, those are still available. Um, these are generally a bit more expensive than their standard counterparts like the 60D and the Canon R. Um, you know, I think they're a few hundred dollars more if you can find it. The, the 20DA and the 60DA have long been discontinued. Um, the RA, I think, is still available, but a lot of these are still fairly sought after, particularly the 60DA, because it's a cool collector's item, um, but there's a lot of people that like having this just off-the-shelf 
uh, camera ready to go. Um, Nikon also did one a few years ago. It was the first full frame um, off the shelf camera, and that was the D810A. Um, these are probably fairly rare. I don't think they made too many of them, um, but it was the first full frame uh, off the shelf modified camera. Now, here's what we're generally looking at. Again, this is just some uh, graphs that I've seen. I just kind of tried to adapt my hand-drawn graph to what uh, a similar graph I've seen online for these. But again, here's our filter comparison. So the yellow line here is a standard IR cut filter in a basic camera. So anything you'd buy off the shelf. These modified cameras from like Canon and Nikon um, have a, they still have the IR cut filter, but what they did was they redid the coatings on these to allow for a better transmission over here at the hydrogen alpha wavelength primarily. So that 656.3 nanometer line is what they're looking for. Um, so they modified the coatings on here to allow better light transmission in that red part of the spectrum. So when you are shooting pictures of that, of those objects, you don't have to sit there as long. And it is a noticeable jump. Um, and I've got some AB images here from some friends of mine who were able to, who've shot with these cameras more than I have. Um, but it is a nice jump. It's not perfect, but it is a noticeable jump. And the nice thing about having these off the shelf options is they come directly from the manufacturer. So you're not having to send a camera out and crack it open or void any warranties or anything like that. You can just buy it directly from them. It shows up and it's ready to go without any modification. So it's kind of a nice um, thing to take a look at. Uh, so again, it is, it's very similar to the IR cut that's on there, but it generally has, it pushes out further into the red before coming down and cutting off the IR um, a bit. And here's a, an example of that. Um, this is from my, our good friend Richard Wright. Um, up top is his Canon 5D Mark III, and on the bottom is the Canon EOS R. Same exposure length, same telescope. I think he shot this on as a Spree uh, 150 at the time. Um, and it was basically a just a quick shoot the horse head, then flip it out and put the other camera on and do the same exposure. Um, but you can see there that the reds, are a lot they pop a lot more they're not nearly as muted and that's exactly you know going back here you can tell because the filter here is cutting off a lot of that light and that frequency um, you're gonna get these weird muted colors because it's not letting as much light in that color through as compared to the modified version um, so you're getting a lot better light transmission and a lot more natural color um, in the reds there for this particular object because you're getting more light transmission. So you're gonna get more data, more signal in less amount of time um, with these cameras. Uh, here's another example from uh, Trevor at Astro Backyard. Um, this is a 7D Mark II versus the 60DA. Um, and there's a little bit longer, well, I guess there's more signal on this one, but um, that time there, you can see you're just getting a lot more punch um, coming off of that because, and there's a lot more red extension because you're getting more signal 
and that part of the spectrum because of those modifications done on the filter there. So it's kind of a cool thing to have just a off-the-shelf camera ready to go for that. And the advantage for another advantage for having like a DSLR or mirrorless camera, and I've talked to a lot of customers about this, is when you get into astrophotography, it's expensive. You probably spent a fair amount of money on the mount and the telescope, and then of course you've got all kinds of accessories, and then of course the camera is another thing you have to keep in mind. Like you're dropping a fair amount of money, and at times it can be a lot to ask someone to spend eight, nine, a thousand dollars plus on a camera that's dedicated to astrophotography. Um, eventually you're going to move that route, I'm sure, but maybe with all the family stuff going on, maybe it's just not in the budget. It's a lot easier to pick up a DSLR or mirrorless camera because you can use that during the day, you can use it for family stuff, and then when all that's done, you can take that camera, make sure your batteries are charged up, and you can pop that on your telescope at night. It's a, it's much more multi-role to have a DSLR or mirrorless camera um, than a dedicated astrophotography camera, but there is compromises to that. So yeah, great, I have a camera that can be used for everything, family life, all that fun stuff, and astrophotography, but it's not going to be the greatest thing for astrophotography. And that's kind of what you pay for moving to these dedicated cameras, um, like the, the CMOS cameras and the CCD cameras. Moving to something dedicated, you're going to spend more because it's a specialized piece of equipment. It is going to give you a lot better image because of its capabilities, but I can't do family stuff and it might be a little harder to run it by, you know, your better half or just fit it financially into the budget so if you want to get into astrophotography and you're you know you either want a big sensor and you maybe don't have the budget to throw all that in there that's kind of where these dslr and mirrorless cameras kind of sit in it's a good uh, beginner area to start with and even especially if you're going to be doing nightscapes um, and wide field work then it's it's kind of the best way to go at that point but still Having these modified cameras allowing you to improve the signal to your sensor is is nice to have, especially if they're off the shelf so you're not having to void any warranties or take anything apart. So that's off the shelf. The other option would be third-party modifications. Um, third-party modifications I'm referring to as a company that you either can buy a already modified camera from or send your camera into and these companies they generally buy Canon, Nikon and Sony bodies um, and get them they make their modifications and then they will sell them from from their stores um, and out to the general public so you're not you wouldn't probably be getting a warranty from the main manufacturer but you'd probably end up getting something from the modification company. You'd have to kind of see what their terms are when you buy those cameras uh, from them. But you can buy cameras that have been pre-modified and just go that way. And there are a couple different modifications that you can do when you're doing third parties, and we're going to break those down here in a little bit. 
And of course, with these third-party companies, if you already have a camera that you like and maybe you're just using it for astrophotography now, you can send that camera off to get modified. Um, when you do modify a camera, though, for astrophotography purposes, it might not work as well for your general day-to-day -day use. So you want to keep that in mind if you're thinking about sending something off to be modified um, for that. Usually you're going to have kind of the sacrificial camera that you're going to send off and that's going to be like your dedicated astrophotography camera and then maybe you'll have another one for the family stuff. It's, it's not uncommon and I've spoken with several people and I have several friends who have their day-to-day -day camera and then they have an older camera that they've had for a while. Now that they've upgraded, they'll send the older camera off and that's kind of their dedicated astronomy DSLR or mirrorless camera, but it's, it's kind of got to be a sacrificial camera at that point if you don't have any intentions of using it for typical day-to-day -day family stuff. So keep that in mind. And like I said earlier, the cool thing about some of the uh, third-party modifications is they actually have a choice of various mods that you can do. Um, we're going to talk about the two primary ones that I've seen for astrophotography purposes. You can get cameras modified for like IR photography. Um, and one of these will actually, one of these modifications does allow for IR, but some companies allow various different various modifications depending on the type of IR shooting or infrared shooting you're going to want to do. That's generally more for daytime work, not so much for astrophotography. So there's there are more than just these two modifications. Um, so if you are looking up uh, getting something modified and you find these companies that do it, you'll want to pay attention to which ones are going to benefit your end goal. So you may want to discuss it with them um, on which modification is going to be right before spending the money on it and sending your camera off to be, you know, done. So the first one that you hear about is called full spectrum. And full spectrum is basically where they remove the IR cut filter completely. Um, generally, there's either no filter. I don't think anybody does no filter anymore. I think it's just a clear filter. Um, some might use a UVIR filter and we're going to talk about why, but you're basically just putting a clear piece of glass in front of there, replacing the original filter. Now let's take a comparison at this. So the yellow line, once again, is our standard IR cut filter in any off the shelf camera for the most part, a full spectrum filter. Again, this is rough, um, is going to remove that basically giving you the full capabilities of your sensor, very similar to an astrophotography camera, like a CMOS or CCD camera, where they just have a clear piece of glass and you're getting the raw potential of that camera sensor. Um, and you're limited to just the transmission of what that physical electronic sensor can handle. Um, the nice thing about this is you're getting pretty much all the light that enters the camera onto the sensor. There's nothing stopping it or reducing the amount of, of transmission of that light hitting that sensor anymore. Now that sounds great and this is generally a very popular way to go, but you still need to keep a couple things in mind to get the best images. Because if you were to take a full spectrum camera and just shove it on your telescope, um, 
odds are you're gonna get you'll notice a major difference but your stars are also gonna appear bloated they're not gonna be these pinpoint stars because there's certain frequencies of light that are hitting the sensor differently because just that's in their nature um, like infrared light and ultraviolet light or, or infrareds over here ultraviolets over here um, they are going to they generally have different focus points than the visible spectrum is going to have so if you're doing that and you're not paying attention to that if you put a full spectrum camera on the back of it and you don't have the proper filter to reduce those unwanted wavelengths there's still unwanted wavelengths of light even though we've now modified the camera um, we're not going to get the best star images so full spectrum bullet points um, you're basically removing the IR cut filter completely um, you're getting the maximum amount of light transmission which is what we want um, but your stars are going to appear bloated because you're getting the ultraviolet and the infrared light hitting the sensor and those focus at different positions um, if you've ever done planetary imaging and you've gone from like a red green blue filter to a IR pass filter you will notice that generally there's a little bit of a focus difference between those filters um, because of where the light how the light generally works at those wavelengths so because we're not cutting that out you're getting all the light that you want but then you're getting these out of focus um, uh, wavelengths on the outer edge so to get rid of that um, we use a UVIR cut filter and I know you're probably like, well, we just got rid of the UVIR. Yes, we got rid of the standard UVIR cut filter, but you can get UVIR cuts that are specifically designed for astrophotography purposes where they're still going to let all the light in, but they're going to cut off the light we don't want. And that's going to look a lot like this. So again, the yellow lines are standard. And then here's our camera with the UVIR cut. So everything in the visible spectrum from four to 700 or so, um, is going to have whatever the transmission of that UVIR cut is. And generally, filters for astronomy purposes have at least a 90% transmission. Um, some of the lesser filters might be in the 80%. So it's still a major plus, um, especially in the wavelengths that we want. But um, some of the, the better IR cut, some of the better astrophotography filters from like the major brands like Optolong and Chroma and Astronomic and Botter, you know, companies like that, they're gonna have really good transmission rates on their filters, probably in the mid 90% range. And you can see these graphs, any major filter company is gonna have this graph to show you the transmission rate of their filter. Um, but you will need that UVIR cut filter if you're using a full spectrum modified camera. So that way you're going to get those nice pinpoint stars. You're going to get all the light transmission that you want. And you're going to have an awesome camera ready to go for astrophotography purposes. Uh, for nightscapes, you're going to notice a massive difference in your Milky Way shots. It's going to appear brighter in less time and probably a lot more detailed because we're not getting rid of any of the light that we want. And then if you've got it hooked up to a telescope, you're going to notice the same thing. The objects that you're shooting are probably going to pop a lot more in less time because we're not muting any of those colors or frequencies of light coming through and hitting the sensor. So that's a full spectrum uh, modified camera. Now, 
The next type of modification I find a lot of companies doing is the astronomy modification. And the astronomy modification is very similar to like the off-the-shelf offerings. They're going to remove the IR cut filter and replace it with a modified IR cut filter. So you're going to get higher transmission in that red hydrogen alpha frequency of light. So when you're shooting those emission nebulas, um, it's going to pop more. Now, I have seen from the different companies that do modifications, they offer variations of this type of modification. So you want to discuss with them or look at their details and see what they actually do for you. Um, some of them have filters that are more tuned to various wavelengths like hydrogen alpha, H alpha, H beta, as well as some more um, light uh, frequencies that are generally emitted from objects in the nighttime sky. Um, so they, they basically might have different flavors, if you will, of the astronomy modification. Um, so double check um, with them before sending that off to make sure you know which service you want done. Typically though, again, our yellow line here is our standard. Typically the IR modifications probably gonna give, or the, oh, oh I should have changed that. Please disregard the title up there. Um, typo. Generally, these astrophotography variants of the DSLRs or mirrorless cameras are probably going to peak more. Um, so you're going to get a lot more frequencies in the blues, and then it probably will cut down around where some light pollution comes through and then pop up again where hydrogen alpha is, giving you a lot better transmission than coming back down around the IR. So it still has a UV IR filter in there, so you're not going to get bloated stars. Um, which is great, but it's gonna have a higher transmission rate in the hydrogen alpha frequency or whatever frequencies they are trying to dial in on. Most of them are gonna at least have hydrogen. That's the most abundant area in the nighttime sky. So they're gonna have a, probably a high transmission or a high pass filter um, for hydrogen and then it might come down a little bit into a valley reducing some of the light and then depending on how their filter works, um, passing other wavelengths of light before cutting off into the uh, UV part of the spectrum again to prevent those bloated stars. So an astronomy modified version, it would be something like this. Again, not full spectrum. This is astronomy modified. So uh, full spectrum does not have the UV IR cut. Some might, they might offer a full spectrum and then put a UVIR cut in there, which would be ideal. Um, but if you want to use that camera for like the interesting infrared um, photography that you can do during the day, then you'd probably want a full spectrum camera that has the ability to have the infrared capability. If you have a full spectrum camera that has the UVIR internally, it's gonna cut the UVIR out and you can't use that for your interesting infrared photography during the day. So again, check with the company that you're gonna be doing the modifications with if you're interested in doing that and see what their variations of uh, offerings are. So just to follow up on the astronomy ones, you have an internal IR cut filter. Um, so you will not get the bloated stars. Um, and it's generally replaced with a modified um, IR cut that has a high transmission um, of probably around the hydrogen alpha area, maybe others, depending on what filter they're replacing it with.
Um, this is going to be very similar, probably a little bit better than the off-the-shelf options. Again, you need to check what their specs, uh, specifications on these um, as it may vary uh, depending on what filter. I don't know who's making the filters or what the transmissions are looking like, but it's going to make it very similar to a lot of the A models from Canon and Nikon. Um, so take a look at that. And again, check with your company. It will vary um, as far as frequencies goes from, from each filter. Um, and a lot of typos in there, so it should be not. Sorry about that. Um, some things I would like to note about using these cameras that I see a lot of confusion with. Um, first off, modified cameras are still color cameras. Um, a lot of people get these these cameras modified and they think they can start doing narrow band imaging like hydrogen alpha O3 S2. And you are getting more light transmission. Like let's say you have a full uh, spectrum camera. You're, you're getting more transmission, which is great. But one thing you need to remember is being a, it's still a color camera, it's, it's not... It still has the red, green, and blue pixels on the sensor. And with that, if you're going to do narrow band work like hydrogen alpha filters, those only let red light through. So only the red pixels are going to get used. So you're losing a ton of signal because you're not using the green or blue part of the sensor. And we're actually going to talk about um, color versus monochrome or black and white cameras in an upcoming episode and their advantage and disadvantages for each one. Um, but modified cameras are still color cameras, so you have to treat them as such. Um, you're still going to be limited with the narrowband filters unless you get some of these more modern uh, multiband narrowbands like the L Enhance and L Extreme from Optolong. And OPT has got their Radian brand um, with the triad variations. Um, those would be quite effective on a camera like this. So it's not that it's not doable. You just might need to get a specialized filter to get those capabilities. But because you have that higher transmission rate, it's you're still going to notice a jump because you're not base you're not sending light through two filters now. Um, not through the IR cut filter in front of the sensor. Um, and then you have the specialized astronomy filter. So it's going to go through two pieces of glass and get filtered out where the modified camera, there's still two pieces of glass, but there's not nearly as much filtration happening um, because of the optical window. Um, another thing on these cameras is they don't have any kind of cooling. Um, dedicated astrophotography cameras generally have a fan or what they call a tech cooler on the back of it. It has the ability to cool the camera sensor and electronics in there so you have less noise and static in your images. Um, DSLRs and mirrorless cameras generally don't have that, so you might have to make up with the inefficiencies by taking more bias frames and more dark frames to calibrate the noise out. Um, you can get coolers. I've seen people um, make coolers to help uh, chill their cameras down and reduce the, the, the noise or electronic current um, that shows up in their images. Um, some of these modification companies also offer a cooling package that you can put on there. That's a, you'd have to look more into that. It's kind of a big process. And at that time, 
by the time you buy the camera and you have it modified and you put a cooler on it, you're already looking because of how much the price has come down in dedicated astronomy astronomy cameras over the last year or the last few years. Um, it might not make a lot of sense to spend that kind of money unless there's something particular that you're looking to do. But it's getting really difficult now to justify whether to go to the off-the-shelf DSLR mirrorless cameras or to get like a dedicated astrophotography camera. And you'll have to answer that question on your own, depending on you know what you've got going on and what things you need from your equipment. But you know. If we're just talking basics, you can get a Canon Rebel for probably five or six hundred dollars, and then if you want to get that modified, you could send it off, and that's probably going to cost a couple hundred bucks. So even with the cheapest Rebel, let's say five hundred, you know, two hundred, six, seven hundred dollars at that point. Um, so you're almost you're seven hundred dollars in the hole for the camera. You could get a basic, cool, dedicated astronomy CMOS camera for right around that price, um, maybe a little bit more. Um, so prices of these dedicated cameras are coming down quite a bit. So that's why you see so many ZWO and QHY cameras floating around the market now is because they're really affordable and you're getting all the dedicated technology for astronomy without having to modify stuff. So it's not that modified cameras are dead. Um, they're still a very good option but you'll have to make that decision on what's gonna be viable for your needs and your system. So it's just something to think about. Um, these modified cameras are still a great option, especially if you're into nightscapes, they're kind of the best option, um, which I think is what a lot of people use them for nowadays anyway. Um, it's, you can do nightscapes with dedicated astronomy cameras, but it's not as convenient because you have to lug out a computer and all this other stuff where, a, camera like this it has all that on board and processors and stuff like that so there's still a niche for these cameras um, but using it as a dedicated astronomy camera for like a telescope uh, that area I feel is drying up a little bit but that's just because of how affordable dedicated cameras are have become so it's really an awesome time to be in astronomy because there's so many good options at pretty decent prices so Hopefully this episode has been uh, helpful. Um, if you have any questions or you want us to do something on uh, the webcast that maybe we haven't done yet, go ahead and email us at info at skywatchusa.com. Um, we have switched it from the support email. So if you have questions on the WhatsApp web webcast, um, just email info at skywatchusa.com. And then if you like what you see here and you want to stay up to date with what's coming up, uh, go ahead and hit subscribe. And uh, it really does help us out and keeps this going um, a lot. So uh, next week is a very, very special episode. We have Brother Guy. Um, from the, He's the director of the Vatican Observatory. Um, he will be on next week's webcast. This is a pre-recorded episode. Um, due to the time change and I will actually be out of town so I will not be here um, but we've, we've gone and pre-recorded this episode already so this will be airing at the same time uh, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Skywatcher uh, USA YouTube channel there will still be a live chat um, but this will be our special guest next uh, next week so that'll be our episode 
uh, wrapping up the month of June. Um, it should be pretty cool. I hope you guys like it. And other than that, that kind of wraps up our modified camera DSLR episode. So if you have any questions, now would be the time to ask them before we shut down for today. Um, I know there wasn't much chatter, so I don't know if anybody has any questions now, but um, if you do, now's the time to get them in. Um, but like I said, other than that, uh, we really appreciate you guys spending your Friday morning with us. I hope you have a safe weekend and get out there and do some imaging. I know the moon's getting a little bright, but you know, you can still get some stuff done, um, in the late evenings. And, uh, I know it's getting hot out there too. So, um, I don't see anybody writing any questions in, so I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you ever need anything, go ahead and contact us here at Skywatcher, either support at skywatcherusa.com for product. Uh, questions and then if it's anything about the what's up webcast you want info at skywatcherusa.com uh, thank you very much clear skies and have a safe weekend everyone take care